And what is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And as you can see on the calendar, today is August the 15th. It just, it also just happens to fall on a Tuesday, obviously. And of course, as you can see in this particular title and description of this particular episode of the show, then, of course, you all know what that means, that today is not just any Tuesday, because it is, of course, Titans Tuesday! Ay ay ay! And, of course, now, and this is, of course, the main reason why I did not have a Titans Tuesday segment on the show last week, because there wasn't a game to talk about, necessarily. Although there there was some news that came out during the week that I did not really have the time to get to on last Tuesday, but we'll address very quickly today. But what I'm going to spend the bulk of today's time of the show talking about is I'm sort of just going to be recapping this past Saturday's preseason opener for the Tennessee Titans against the Chicago Bears, what some of my general takeaways were, the the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and also I'm going to be going into what I want to see from the Titans as they enter preseason game number two this upcoming Saturday night against the Minnesota Vikings. And so should be should be a lot of fun doing all of that. But let me start with just what some of my general takeaways were from the Bears game on Saturday. And honestly, it was about probably what I expected it to be. It was just sort of a mixed bag type of situation, if you will, with the Tennessee Titans. There were some good things and some not-so-good things. But, of course, as we all know at this point, it is just the preseason, and there's still two weeks' worth of preseason games and joint practices and blah, blah, blah to get all of those ironed out. But some some good, some bad, and... Still some, there's still plenty of things to get cleaned up, if you will, as it relates to the Tennessee Titans in 2023. Uh, Just to run down some of the things that I wanted to see going into Saturday's game. I wanted to see 
the wanted to see how the quarterback competition would play out as far as between Will Levis and Malik Willis. Obviously, I think it's fair to say, and the way both of that both of those two quarterbacks, Will Levis and Malik Willis played on Saturday, which was honestly kind of eh, but also kind of good in some ways. At the same time, I'll get to I'll get to that a little bit more in detail here in a second. But coming back to my main point, I, th- I think we all know who the starting quarterback is going to be in 2023, that would be Mr. Ryan Tannehill, who did not play on Saturday. But I wanted to see how the QB2 uh, competition and conversation would go. I wanted to see how Terrell Williams would perform as the the acting head coach for Saturday Saturday's game, excuse me, had of course I believe it was Thursday or Friday of last week when Mike Vrabel said that he was going to be handing over the reins to defensive line coach and assistant. I believe he's actually the assistant head coach for the defensive side of the ball, Terrell Williams, uh, would be serving as the acting head coach, which is apparently going to start a trend in not just the NFL, but also in the college game. I remember reading a headline of something that Lane Kiffin did this past week at down at Ole Miss as it relates to sort of empowering your assistant coaches, which is very very beneficial in some ways, I suppose, as far as exposure and experience and other things of that nature are concerned. So it was it was very interesting to see how that played out. I wanted to see how the inside linebacker competition would play out between I would assume I would assume Monty Rice, although Monty Rice kind of didn't didn't live up to what the expectations were probably of him coming into the preseason, and of course, we all saw that from the Titans' first unofficial, and make of this what you will, the first uh, unofficial depth chart for the Tennessee Titans actually had Dr. Gibby, of all people, Jack Gibbons, listed at the starting position as far as the Inside linebackers go opposite of Aziz Al Shair, who did not play on Saturday because he is obviously, obviously entrenched as a starter at this point. 
But as of now, I would probably give the nod to the starting job opposite of Aziz Alshire to uh, Jack Gibbons. I wanted to see about that. I wanted to see how the secondary would perform, and it was kind of a mixed bag as well. There's plenty of things to clean up in the secondary going into week two of the preseason against the Vikings, especially if Justin Jefferson plays for for the Vikings, which I do not think is going to happen, but we will have to wait and see how that plays out going into Saturday's game for the Vikings. Wanted to see how the secondary performed, and I wanted to see how the offensive line would perform as well. And I will get to them a little bit more in detail in just a few minutes. But, circling back to the main thing that I wanted to keep my eyes on, which was, of course, the quarterback, the backup quarterback battle between Malik Willis and Will Levis. Just to focus on that a little bit more in detail specifically. Uh, As of now, based on just based on what I've seen from one game and based on everything that I've heard and seen coming out of Titans training camp, I think it would be hard to not give the edge in the QB2 competition to Malik Willis at this point, especially when you look at the first drive. I mean, the first drive of the Titans' offense was essentially everything that you would have wanted to see, at least focusing on the quarterback position, specifically talking about the way they carry the offense, the way their composure works into the game, and all of the different intricacies that go with playing quarterback in the NFL. But first drive was actually very productive for the Titans with Malik Willis at the helm. Of course, Malik Willis starting off this game in a bit of a platoon system with Will Levis, with each one of them alternating in and out every other drive, which I'm not a fan of, and I'll get to the reason why here in just a minute, but first drive, I mean, 12 plays, 75 yards, they they did score a touchdown on the opening drive as well, but very, a lot of very positive takeaways from that first drive for the Titans. It was capped off by a Malik Willis touchdown run on the 
sort of read option play in the red zone. Very productive drive. Very productive drive indeed. Very good opening series, which sort of set the tone, or would have set the tone for what the offense could have done if Malik Willis had been left in the game for at least one more series, which, again, I'm not a fan of. Not a fan of the Titans' decision that they made in doing that as far as the platoon system goes whatsoever. But very good opening series for Malik Willis, I do have to say. And we could see that all of the reports were accurate that have been coming out of Titans camp as far as how Malik Willis had grown and developed over the course of the offseason. And just to touch on Malik's final statistics very quickly, although actually one more point I want to make about the way that both quarterbacks played, frankly, uh, even Will Levis, uh, both of them showed off their athleticism in some ways, a lot of ways. Malik Willis did so probably more than Will Levis did, and I'll get to why I say that here in a minute, but the athleticism was very, very common in both of those two quarterbacks that played for the Tennessee Titans on Saturday. Malik Willis's final stat line was kind of, eh. I mean, it's basically what you would expect from a preseason game. He finished 16 of 25 passing for 189 yards. He did have the one interception, which Josh, which Josh Wiley, the tight end that he, that Malik Willis was attempting that pass to that was intercepted, you could, it's easy to sit there and make the argument of, of okay, Josh, you're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, however, however tall you are, you should easily be able to jump up and make that catch. You could also make the argument that Malik Willis maybe overthrew him a little bit, but when you're as big as Josh Wiley is, while I understand people that can make that argument, still, in my mind, it's really a pretty hard argument to justify when you have a tight end who is larger than life in a lot of ways. And so that was really just a questionable a questionable situation that could have gone either ways as far as who to put the blame on, but I would I would be inclined to give the blame to Josh Wiley, and that's just something that he's got to get better at. That's just something 
that he has got to clean up. But nevertheless, Malik Willis was credited with the one pick against the Chicago Bears. He did also have three rushes, including the touchdown rush, for 22 yards. And so, fairly relatively decent stat line for Malik. Will Levis, on the other hand, uh, he played about like I would have expected him to. Obviously, a rookie going into even as highly drafted as Will Levis was. Titans took him very early on in the second round. Uh, But still, having said that, there were the ups and downs that come with any rookie quarterback in the NFL. Uh, He finished 9 of 14 passing for 85 yards and one interception, which I guess I'm going to touch on this very quickly. And and this is sort of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge to Tennessee Vols fans in a lot of ways. Of course, we all remember Will Levis when he was in college at Kentucky. All of the interceptions that were thrown during that time period. Uh, Will Levis, Will Levis's one interception came at the very end of the game, as time was winding down. Of course, the way the platoon system worked with the two quarterbacks, Will Levis was able to finish the game, quote unquote, for the Titans and. Threw the interception uh, on essentially the last play of the game. And I'm sitting there watching the end of that game. And just as a Tennessee Vols fan, I I couldn't help seeing that and getting flashbacks in my head of the not one, not two, but at least three interceptions that Will Levis threw against Tennessee. I'm watching that interception go down on Saturday and thinking to myself, where have I seen this before? Where have I seen this before? Where have I seen the... Oh, oh, yeah, it was from Will Levis at Kentucky playing against Tennessee. And... I sort of had to laugh in a lot of ways, but I sort of had to not necessarily cry, but get angry in some ways because Will Levis is now a Tennessee Titan. But anyway, I mentioned the mobility of both of these quarterbacks, and Will Levis certainly showed his ability to get out of the pocket as well, as did Malik Willis, just by the way. But Will Levis is certainly a little bit behind 
Malik Willis in that category as far as pocket awareness goes to some degree because the first sack that he took, I don't I don't know if he was just focused on his top read down the field or focused on what the what the what some of the linebackers were doing for the Bears. I have no idea. But Will Levis just does not take his eyes off of whatever he's looking at down the field and just gets com- completely ball rushed by a Chicago Bears edge rusher, D-lineman. I cannot remember who it was, but it it was one of their edge rush D-line guys, obviously, with the way the game has changed. That is the reason why I have to group those two positions in with one another, because they basically go hand-in-hand at this point. But, well, Levis just, just gets completely dominated by a Bears edge defender, and that was just not a good look for the rookie. I mean, you know, we we often talk a lot about some of these welcome to the NFL moments that any rookie faces. Yeah, this was definitely one of those moments for Will Levis. Definitely a bit of a wake-up call, or should have been, if you will. And I guess it was, because that play came on Will Levis's first drive. And after that drive, obviously we saw some glimpses of improvement as far as the mobility is concerned with Will Levis. Certainly that's something that the coaches probably showed him on the iPads on the sideline after that drive. And so this has just got to be one of those things that Will Levis has got to learn from and grow with as he continues on this season. Let me get to this platoon system very quickly before I move on to the rest of the offense. I don't know if this was Mike Vrabel's decision. I don't know if it was Terrell Williams' decision, the acting head coach from Saturday's game. But here's what I do know. The platooning of quarterbacks and the mindset of rotating quarterbacks in and out every other series, yeah, that that just does not work. It does not work because either neither one of the quarterbacks can get into a rhythm. The offense as a whole cannot get into a rhythm. And certainly, Saturday's game in Chicago was a prime example of that because it took the Titans, other than the 
other than the opening drive touchdown by Malik Willis, obviously. Yeah, if they would have left Malik Willis in the game for a second drive right after that one, who knows? Maybe the Titans would have scored another touchdown on their second drive because of the momentum from the first series. Do you all see where I'm going with this? Do you see where... And I understand, at the same time, I I do get that it's a preseason game and you're rotating in other different pieces, receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, especially, and blah, 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 blah. But generally speaking, you cannot get into a groove offensively if you platoon your two quarterbacks. Naturally, the the remedy for this is you leave one guy in the game until either he starts to lose confidence, start to struggle a little bit, the offense starts to sputter, blah, 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 blah. He gets injured. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured. But that is, of course, obviously a reason why you have to sub guys in and out of games. And and then, after you have seen enough from QB1, that is when you make the move to QB2. You don't just platoon guys in and out of the lineup every other series. That's just my opinion. That is just what I would do in that situation. But I do not get paid to make those decisions. But what I do know is that it took a little bit of time after that first series for the Titans offense to get back into a groove and find a rhythm with either one of the two quarterbacks that played for them on Saturday. So that's my take on the quarterback situation. Let me get to the rest of the offense very quickly before I move on to what I saw defensively, which was not great at times. But starting with with the offense, the starting offensive line played extremely well. I mean, from left to right, Dillard, Skaronsky, Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, and Chris Hubbard were, were, I believe, the five guys that they started out with when we can assume this is going to be the starting lineup at least for the first six games of the regular season due to the Nicholas Petit-Frere gambling-related suspension. And NPF, of course, played at the very end of the game in Chicago because because apparently you are still allowed to play in preseason games even though 
you would have to be suffering a suspension during the regular season. So it was, I guess, okay to see NPF out there. He did not play all that great in his limited action, especially when you look at the fact that he was playing against the third and fourth stringers for the Bears at that point, and NPF is, of course, a quote-unquote incumbent starter. Yeah, not, not, not the best showing for Nicholas Petit-Frere, but as it relates to Saturday, the starting o- offensive line of Andre Dillard, Peter Skaronsky, Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, and Chris Hubbard gave up a whopping total of zero sacks. Zero sacks. Very, very good, especially given the fact that the offensive line was the main, by far the the main area of concern for the Titans offense last season. The Backups on on the offensive line, on the other hand, oh boy, they they gave up. They were shaky to say the least. They they gave up a grand total of eight sacks. Eight sacks, yeah, not 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 a great look. I think it's fair to say at this point that the we we better hope that the Starting five on the offensive line, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and knock on some wood as I'm saying this. But we better hope that the starting five for the Titans offensive line stays healthy because if they don't, they are going to be in a world of pain. No no pun intended. In in that regard, but that's pretty much my takeaway from the Titans offensively. Defensively? Defensively. It wasn't really as bad as it seemed because once, once they were able to sort of get into a little bit more of a groove defensively. They did not as bad of a job as what the score in the first half would tell you. They did give up, having said that, to be fair, they did give up the two explosive plays. And this is definitely going to be a thing to clean up in practice Definitely going into the regular season, for sure. Uh, They did give up the two explosive screen plays. The first one being the Justin Fields 62-yard touchdown pass to DJ Moore. The second one being the Justin Fields 56-yard touchdown pass to... Khalil Herbert, and aside from 
And I guess to really quickly, to be fair to the Bears, they did do a really good job of blocking for their playmakers. And certainly, I, I could go on and on about how Justin Fields is going to be a playmaker for the Bears. DJ Moore is obviously going to be a playmaker for the Bears. And I'm also a pretty big fan of Khalil Herbert as well. But that's a conversation for another day. But Titans have got to do a better job of limiting those explosive plays defensively. And once they got into a little bit more of a rhythm, I think that they did a little bit better of a job on defense against Chicago. They they did do an okay job of forcing turnovers as well. There was the Trey Avery interception against not not Justin Fields, who was not in the game at the time. I believe it was P.J. Walker, the QB2 for the Bears in the game at the time. But big play by Trey Avery to go up and intercept the P.J. Walker pass. In, in that regard, they also, Titans also did a pretty good job of generating turnovers on special teams as well. They had two special teams fumble recoveries, one coming from Luke Gifford, who they expect to carve out a role defensively, not just on special teams. Certainly, he was a big special teamer during his time with the Dallas Cowboys, but hopefully he can carve out a role on defense as well if something happens to Harold Landry, not knock on wood, because because Harold Landry is coming back from the injury from last year, and also Arden Key as well. If something happens to one of those top two guys, maybe Luke Gifford can slide into the, one of their roles. And obviously, uh, Ben Neiman had a big fumble recovery on special teams as well. And com- coming back to, before I, m- I move on to what I expect to see and what I hope to see from the Titans in week two against the Vikings, week two of the preseason against the Vikings this upcoming Saturday night. I have to touch on this for a second because obviously we were experiencing some weather in the area before and during Saturday's game, and I can un- I understand News 2, who had the broadcast rights and has the broadcast rights for the Titans preseason game. I, c- I can understand 
them wanting to obviously give weather alerts. And certainly it was helpful to me in some ways because early on before the game started about 10, game kicked off at noon, right? About 10 or 11 o'clock on Saturday, Saturday morning, the sky was, you know, the sky was dark and we were obviously having some weather in the area and I was hoping, I was thinking rather, oh boy, oh boy, I, I hope, I hope I don't lose power here because obviously, you know, Tennessee weather, anything is possible as they say, but I can understand News 2 wanting to give weather alerts. The reason why I bring them up is did the question that I have is this. Did the, did they really have to put the game in the smaller picture, in the picture-in-picture picture situation that they had going on with the broadcast? Did they really... Did they really have to do that? Really? Could they really not have at least put up a split screen to where the game was not diminished to minuscule size? Obviously, I know I know that Danielle Breezy and Davis Nolan have got to do their thing, but... And I guess it really, to some degree, helped out because during the times that these weather alerts were going on, just so happened to coincide with the two explosive plays that the Bears had on offense with the Justin Fields to DJ Moore and Justin Fields to Khalil Herbert the two explosive touchdown passes that I was just talking about a minute ago. Both of the big weather alerts happened during both of those plays, and I guess, in a way, it helped take everybody's minds off of how bad the Titans' defense was playing at the time. But, but re- really... Did, you, did they really have to do that? Do better, News 2. Okay? Do better. And this, is, this has been a running theme with News 2. And I guess this is the way that they do things. But I, can, I can't remember if it was during the preseason last year when obviously we were experiencing some weather or during any other sporting event, not necessarily a football game per se, but any other sporting event that ABC or News 2 just so happens to be broadcasting, they do the same type of stuff with the minimizing of screens, but, and certainly, to be fair, I understand people that want to keep up with the weather forecast, and obviously, storms can 
be very damaging in a lot of ways. We've recently seen that over the course of the last week, two weeks or so. But just do better, News 2, okay? Do better. Hopefully that, that will not be a problem this coming Saturday. So, certainly it, w- it won't be a problem in Minnesota due to the fact that the Vikings play in an indoor stadium. It wasn't a problem in Chicago. But, but anyway, I think I've said enough about the weather. But last thing I will say before I move on to Minnesota on Saturday night is do better, News 2, okay? Do better. Anyway, finally, the question now becomes, what do I want to see from the Titans against the Vikings on Saturday night? I want, here's the first thing I want to see. I want to see which quarterback Mean, meaning Malik Willis or Will Levis can put even more of a stranglehold on the backup quarterback job. Because, as I've said before, Malik Willis and Will Levis both did some good things on Saturday. They both showed their mobility. Malik Willis certainly showed the development and progress that he made and has made during this offseason. And Will Will Levis, I think it's fair to say, has a little bit longer of a way to go than Malik Willis does at this point. But, you know, he is a rookie, and this is just part of the learning and developing process. But they both still have plenty of things to clean up. So I want to see which one of them puts a stranglehold on that job. I would also prefer to not see the platoon system and whoever's whoever's coaching this week, whether it be Mike Vrabel or Terrell Williams or Shane Bowen or Pat O'Hara or insert Tennessee Titans coaching staff member here. Uh, my, My plea to them would be to not use the platooning system. But anyway, I digress. So that that's number one. Number two. I want to see the offense as a whole be really just more explosive. Definitely more explosive than they were in week one. Because one of the things that sort of ticked me off about week one, you know, you know, really quickly before I get back into explosiveness, I have to give this quick little sidebar that Todd Downing 
is, and I'm so glad for this fact, Todd Downing is now no longer the offensive coordinator for the Titans. I believe, I believe he's actually with the, with the Jets coaching the, the bad man that, the bad man that is known as Aaron Rodgers, which may work out and may have been a blessing in disguise for Todd Downing in some ways. Maybe he can get back to being an offensive coordinator due to being with Aaron Rodgers. And of course, based on his track record, we all can pretty much assume how that future job would go. But very easy to be successful when you're around somebody like the bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, why, why do I bring Todd Downing up? Because what was the crutch of Todd Downing? Other, other than the play calling, obviously. It was the lack of explosiveness of the offense. And so Todd Downing is no longer there. Tim Kelly is now here. Well, he was he was technically there last year, but wasn't the offensive coordinator last year. But anyway, you would hope, and based on what we've seen Tim Kelly do in the past, what mainly when he was with the Texans, with Deshaun Watson, and of course, DeAndre Hopkins, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that we would see a little bit more uh, explosiveness from Pretty Boy Kelly's offense. Pretty, yeah, Pretty Boy Kelly. Reason why I call him that is because apparently De- DeAndre Hopkins was being asked about Tim Kelly during an interview, during one of his first interviews after joining the Titans. And uh, apparently Pretty Pretty Boy Kelly is one of the nicknames that D-Hop has for Tim Kelly. Pretty hilarious when you think about it, because when you look at Tim Kelly, as far as physical appearance goes... He is not anything near what you would expect to be called a a pretty boy. He's kind of got the 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 scruff going on and the the sort of man demeanor, which is not 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 necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't really scream pretty boy by any means. Just and if you want to know what a pretty boy looks like, I, th- I actually, I you know what? I don't even think you. I need to go through with describing that. I think you all pretty much have a general assumption of what I'm talking about when I, or whenever the term pretty boy comes up. I could get into it. Even more, that's a discussion for another time. But 
explosiveness. We want to see more explosiveness from Tim Kelly's offense. And I understand not wanting to roll out your whole playbook in the preseason. And certainly, hopefully, Tim Kelly's got got way more tricks rolled up his sleeve. But I would like to see, having said that, I would like to see a little bit more explosiveness from the offense. Speaking of explosiveness, uh, one of the big winners of Saturday's game was Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears, the rookie running back. Uh, I believe he was the third round pick out of Tulane. Uh, the stat line for Tajay Spears was not mind-blowing by any means. I mean, he had six carries for just 32 yards, but he averaged about 5.3 yards per carry. That's the main takeaway from that particular stat line. And he also had plenty of strong runs in those six runs as well. And one of the things that we have heard about Tajay Spears, even after he was drafted, was that he can be a pretty pretty explosive weapon for the Titans, not just in the running game, but also in the passing game as well. And certainly, Ran Carthon, the Titans' general manager, is very, this is something that he's very familiar with based on his time in San Francisco with the 49ers being around a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Certainly, I'm not, and I, I want to emphasize this again, I am not com- saying that Tajay Spears is right now anywhere near the athlete that Christian McCaffrey is. Knock on knock on wood. Hopefully he he can be. Hopefully he can be. But I'm just saying the particular situation is very familiar to a guy like Rand Carthon. Certainly, it's probably something that appealed to Rand Carthon in the draft process when he was evaluating. Tajay Spears, but it's going to be interesting to see how he is used in preseason game number two. I would like to see maybe some more strong, stronger runs, and who knows, maybe maybe we'll even see some different personnel groupings and personnel packages that are used when Tajay Spears is on the football field, but Certainly, we, we can all, as Titans fans, hope that Tajay Spears is going to be the much-needed complement to King Henry. And as, as, far as, the, uh, as far as the other running backs are concerned, I mean, Hassan Haskins did okay. okay. 
I guess he's sort of got a pending legal situation that has to be attended to and will be attended to later on this month, but because he's he's due in court, I believe, on the twenty around the twenty fifth or so, I believe is when his court date is. And I'm not gonna say too much more about that. We're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out. I do, I do know that the Titans just picked up another running back named Jacques Patrick from the, I believe, the, the USFL or the XFL, one of the sort of minor league leagues, minor league football leagues, I should say. And does the Hassan Haskins situation have to do anything with that reasoning? Who knows? But Jacques Patrick could be another name to look out for in game number two. And there's also the Jonathan Ward injury that was that he suffered in game number one against Chicago, excuse me, that probably had a little bit more to do with the recent addition of Jacques Patrick than the Hassan Haskins situation, but who knows? Who knows? But anyway, I I do want to see more explosiveness from the offense because in... Game number one, the offense was a little bit more conservative than I would have liked to see. And I do want to see maybe some tweaks and changes to the game plan in game number two. Very quickly, before I get out of here, defensively, I want to see what the second and third team unit can do because we we don't really know I mean I guess I guess maybe a few starters played in week one I think I did see Imani Hooker in there at one time but it was mainly the second and third team unit for the Titans playing against the Bears and will probably be probably will be the same case against the Vikings. I want to see what they can do as far as limiting the explosive plays because the the touchdown passes that I've been talking about to DJ Moore and Khalil Herbert that that really hurt the Titans defensively until they were able to get into a rhythm. And the starters will certainly do a better job of limiting these explosive plays, you would hope. But having said that, let's just say something happens to a defensive starter. Whoever whoever that next man up is has got to come in and produce. 
They've got to come in and do their job. They've got to come in and fill a void. And they've got to limit the explosive plays. That just has to happen. And I would also like to see more from the second and third string outside linebacker edge rush guys behind the guy, the guys that will be playing behind Arden Key and Harold Landry. I'd like to see how they perform in week two because there's still a wide open competition essentially behind Landry and Key. And is Rashad Weaver going to step up and produce even more? I think the Titans are sort of hoping that he is going to be that guy. Certainly, he's entering a very pivotal year as far as contract his contract situation with the Titans is concerned. But the question remains, who is going to be Ed, ed, who are going to be edge rushers number three and number four behind Landry number one and Key number two? We are just going to have to wait and see, but there are certainly a lot of questions that have to be answered going into Minnesota this week, and I'm very much looking forward to watching all of it unfold. And with all of that with all of that being said, guys, I know that it has been a very long-winded show today. I'm so sort of running up against the clock as far as the recording capabilities on my phone app for the Spotify portion of the show are concerned. But I appreciate all of you for bearing with me on both Spotify and Facebook Live, by the way. And with all of that being said, there's just lots lots of questions that have to be answered for the Titans. And I'm very much looking forward to finding out what the answers to those questions are. And I know... A lot of you are as well. But with all of that being said, I'm going to go ahead and hop out of here. Thank you all so much for bearing with me on this Titans Tuesday on the Jim Bratton podcast. I've, I very much appreciate it, and I will see you soon. <laughs>